Turn in your Bibles with me, please, to Nehemiah chapter 8. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 8, for the greatest preaching service that we have detailed to us in the Word of God. Nehemiah chapter 8. I love this chapter. I believe that God has given us this chapter for you to know what we ought to look like as a church. I want you to have the spirit of those that did the hearing, and I hope that you'll pray your pastor will have the spirit of those that did the preaching. And I hope that all together we'll love the Word of God and love to worship Him and love to bow down and lift Him up. Because it's all right here in Nehemiah chapter 8. The world parties about all their insane, empty, vain, and vexing things. And there's a reason for a party in Nehemiah chapter 8, and it's understanding the Word of God. And we're going to see that very quickly. I know the time. I, I hope that you'll trust me on that. Let's just go through this chapter quickly and see if the Lord can't show us some things that ought to convict our hearts. Let us pray that it will not take us 70 years in Babylon to learn to appreciate the Word of God. Because that's what it took for these people to appreciate the Word of God. Their gathering here is because the Lord spanked them for 70 years in a foreign land. May God have mercy on us, and may we be faithful so that we don't need to go to Babylon or be spanked to appreciate the Word of God. Since we're thinking about a new church building, we should remember the priority of God's Word and the preaching of this that's in your hands is far more important than where we meet. We're going to find out that these people celebrated because they were able to stand in the street for from morning until midday and hear the Word of God preached to them. They didn't care where they were, did they? I also want you to learn that a pulpit is not something that holds my Bible. A pulpit is something that I'm standing on. You're going to learn that tonight. The word pulpit only occurs in the Bible one time, and preachers stand on pulpits. They don't use them to hold their Bibles. But that's just a minor point. Four points tonight. The preparation of these people to hear the Word of God. The preaching of the Word of God. The party for understanding the Word of God. And the performance of obeying the Word of God. That's what we want to do. We want to prepare. We want to preach. We want to celebrate and be thankful to God for what He shows us. And then we want to do it. I'm going to read the first four verses that have the first lesson. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive under the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, and Shema, and Aenea, and Urijah, and Hilkiah, and Maaseah on his right hand. And on his left hand, Pedeah, and Mishael, and Melchiah, 
and Hashem, and Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshullam. This is the word of the Lord. The people gather themselves together as one man. For a church to ever benefit from the preaching of God's word, they have to be united of one cord and of one of mind. There can't be division, strife, envy, or cliques in a church for God to open the word of God to those people. Notice that these people came together as one man. There was no self-defeating strife. Do you remember what Paul the Apostle told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 3? I could not preach to you as spiritual men because you were carnal. And how were they carnal? They had divisions and fighting among themselves. Even Paul couldn't deal with a church that had carnal strife among the membership. I want you to see their desire. It tells us in that first verse, all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street, and they spake to Ezra. You know, it's usually the preacher trying to get you to listen to the Word of God. But it was these people that asked Ezra to come and preach to them. That shows the spirit of preparation and the hearts of the people that are here in Nehemiah chapter 8. That's right. Our goal in reading, teaching, and listening to this tonight is that we might be like these people. They wanted to hear the word of God. They went to Ezra and said, Would you please preach to us from the book of the law of God? They chose a Bible preacher for their service instead of a song leader, instead of an athlete to give a testimony, instead of a mime. They asked for a preacher to come and preach to them the word of God. And they chose Ezra, the scribe. That doesn't mean he was an eloquent man. It doesn't mean he was a charismatic man. It means that he spent his time in the law of God, copying it. He copied the word of God and he made sure he understood it. He was a scribe in the law of God. And the Bible tells us he was a ready scribe in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 6. So they asked for a man that was filled with the word of God, that could read it to them and that understood it and could explain it to them. They asked for this. They chose the book of the law of God of Moses, of the things that God had commanded Israel. That is not the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is for panty waste. It's scripture. But they didn't ask to hear the book of Genesis. Hearing about their first parents all over again wasn't going to help them the way they wanted to be helped. They wanted to hear the law of God and find out what they weren't doing that they ought to be doing to please God more perfectly. Amen. So do you know what books were brought? The book of Leviticus and the book of Deuteronomy. Because in those two books, they heard about a feast that they had not been celebrating. They wanted to be told what God had for them to do. I am not making light of Genesis. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. But there are some passages of Scripture that are more profitable than others. And being told what you need to do is, be, is more profitable than hearing about Jacob, Joseph, Abraham, and Isaac all over again. They wanted to hear the commandments of God, and that's what it says in verse 1. They wanted the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. They didn't want the book of history that God had given to Moses. They wanted the book of commandments. Notice what it says. It says the women and the children, all that could understand, were there together. They had family worship. They didn't have a Sunday school here in Nehemiah chapter 8, did they? They didn't separate the children out and give them graham crackers and milk and little cutout figures of some Bible character. 
They had the Word of God read and preached to them, and every child that could understand stood there with their parents in the street that was before the water gate to hear Ezra preach the Word of God to them. They stood for at least three hours from morning until midday. You know, most Americans, most American Christians can't sit for an hour. They stood for three, and they were excited about it, and they wanted to do it again the next day. They didn't say, boy, I'm glad we don't have to do that again till next Sunday. They wanted to do it the next day. We're going we're to see that. We, I want you to look at the character of these people and ask yourselves, do I have that character? Do I love the Word of God as much as they did? Anything less than that, and we've failed. We want to repent of our sins tonight and tell the Lord we want to outdo that crowd in Nehemiah chapter 8. Not for our honor and glory, but for the glory of His own Word that He's given to us. Notice that it said in the last part of verse 3, The ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Their ears were attentive. Do you know what I know about all of you? Your eyes are pretty attentive. See, if I go over here, look at what you just did. All of your eyes are attentive. But I also know that some of you can move your eyes while your mind is somewhere else. It doesn't say their eyes were attentive. It says their ears were attentive. Because it's hearing that counts when the Word of God is read and preached, not you looking at me. You know, I love, I love looking at all your eyes, all these pairs of eyes staring at me and blinking. But that is not how you learn anything. It is through these things, and that takes a whole lot more work than these window shades being pulled up and your mucous membrane balls that are hanging in your skull staring at me. It takes work to listen, and these people had their ears attentive to the Word of God. They were focused. They were waiting. They were eager. They had their, they had their mind cleared. They were not distracted. They were not daydreaming. They weren't sleeping. They didn't read the hymnal. They didn't read elsewhere in the Bible. Because they were real Christians. They were listening to the Word of God being read and preached to them and grabbing hold of every word in their minds to understand it and to lay hold of what God had given them through Ezra the scribe. I love that expression. The ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. The, The Lord Jesus Christ would say it to us this way. Heed, therefore, how ye hear. That's the conclusion. That's the invitation to the parable of the sower. Because there's four ways you can respond to the Word of God. You can come in here with a carnal mind, and the devil will snatch away the Word of God before you ever knew you even had it. You can come in here and have thorns choke out the Word of God from your life. The thorns of rich world, the worldly success and riches. Or you can have the sun rise in the Word of God and scorch it away, which is persecution. But there's good ground. And the Savior would tell us, the good ground is up to you. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear, is what Jesus would say. Don't hear like the stony ground. Don't hear like the wayside. Don't hear like the thorny ground. These people knew how to hear the word of God. They were attentive. They wanted to lay hold of every word that was coming from the Bible for them, from Ezra. And they did that for three hours. Ezra read the scriptures to them, standing on his pulpit. He didn't tell them stories about his childhood. He didn't tell them stories about his career in the bank. He didn't slay anyone in the spirit. He didn't use canned illustrations from a book. He didn't crack jokes. He didn't tell anecdotes. And he didn't even make a chalk drawing while he was preaching. Amen. 
Listen, brethren, he read the Word of God and he explained it to the people. Most men want to go and have something else that's a little more entertaining. I've been to those ministers before. I've seen them in my time. I was exposed to them. I've seen just about all that I just mentioned. I've heard it all. I can still remember sermon illustrations from my childhood, and I'm 48 now. I can remember sermon illustrations from when I was 8. Sermon illustrations. Who cares about a sermon illustration? What was the doctrine? Well, I couldn't, get, I couldn't tell you a thing about the sermon, but I can remember the stories. I don't want you to remember any stories from this pulpit except the Word of God. God's stories. And that's what Ezra did. He read in the Word of God. He didn't use anything else. And he's used a pulpit. A pulpit is a stage, a scaffold, or a platform to get someone elevated so they can speak to a whole audience. It's not to hold a Bible. I mean, I'm thankful for this thing. What are we going to call it from now on? The Bible holder. But I'm thankful for it. I'm very thankful for it. But it's to get the man elevated, not because the man's important. Do you know why the man needed to be elevated? We're going to see it in just a minute. And it's important. And I want you to love it and rejoice at it. There's a very good reason why he stood on a pulpit. And Ezra had a whole bunch of colleagues doing it with him. And brethren, when I look into verse 4 of Nehemiah chapter 8, I love every one of those names. I do not mind reading through Nehemiah 8.4. Do you know why? Because those are some of the lesser preachers of Ezra's day. But God mentioned them in the Word of God. All these names that are hard for us to pronounce, that we don't know anything more about most of them. But I'll tell you, they loved the Word of God. And when they had an opportunity, they preached that Word to the Lord's people. And so when you look in there, those names right there represent all the forgotten Brothers of mine and ancestors of mine in the faith who preached the word of God to little congregations whose names were not written down anywhere, who never graduated from a seminary. Nobody has a monument raised to them anywhere except in heaven. And there is a monument in heaven. And I love all those names and I want you to love them with me as well. Because a lot of men have gone before us. And they're long forgotten and they're long buried. But they love the word of God and they preached it faithfully. And I'm thankful for every single one of them. And I know that God has a place for them in heaven. And He will honor them. And I hope that you'll honor them in your hearts. That gets us down to verse 4. There's more that can be said, but I, I hope that you saw the people came unified. It's the people that wanted to hear the preaching. The people were attentive, and there was a ready scribe in the law of God. I wonder who made that arrangement. When there's people that want to hear the word of God and who are truly craving it, God will raise up a ready scribe to teach them the truth. He will not leave his people forsaken. He will show them the truth of his gospel. I love Job chapter 33 where it describes when you're on your, when you're, when you're on your bed, languishing in pain and sorrow and feeling that your life is totally worthless, God is able to raise up one man out of a thousand that can come and tell you, I have found a ransom. These people were given the word of God because of their great zeal for it and their unity. And they stood there, all the people, and were attentive to it. And Ezra and his helpers, his 13 helpers in this verse, taught the people. Let's go to verse 5 and read the preaching. Down to verse 8. Nehemiah 8, verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. 
for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen. 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 With lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Maaseah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peleah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. I want you to notice the preaching and how the service took place. Ezra climbed up onto a pulpit, a platform, where everybody could see one thing and it wasn't Ezra. What was it? The book. The book. It says, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. See, they didn't have Bibles in their laps. Do you know how privileged you are to have the Word of God in your laps? You can go to a dollar store and buy a King James Bible in our city for a dollar. A dollar. You can earn a dollar by spinning around once on your right foot while you're at work. A dollar is nothing. And you can buy a King James Bible. They didn't have it in every home. The scribes had the Word of God on scrolls. And they got up there in sight of all the people. And brethren, I wish that in our homes and in this church, when we open the Word of God, it is the most precious time of our service. Because we know that God is speaking to us now from His Word. They did. This is God speaking to us. These aren't my words. You can read them for yourself. You can go home and read them again and find out that it's not my words. All I'm doing is leading you through them and giving you the sense of them. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, and it tells us why they had a pulpit. For he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Do you understand the reverence they had for the Word of God? There's no book on earth that deserves us standing up for it. There's no flag that deserves us to stand up for it. There's nothing on earth that deserves us to stand up for it in comparison to the Word of God. This is a message from the High King of Heaven that we just sang about. And when it's opened, all the people stood up. Now we know that the crowd there had been around 50,000 some years earlier when Nehemiah got there. We don't know how large it was, but they all stood up when the Word of God was opened, showing their reverence for it. Do you understand that? That we stand up for the Word of God? When we, when we read the psalm together, we stand up for it every Lord's Day morning. And these people loved the Word of God, and they had a reverent respect for it, and they stood up. Verse 6, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Before we even start reading Scripture... We should bless the God that gave us the Bible. Bless the God that gave us eyes to see it, ears to hear it, and a heart that wants it. We bless and praise the great God of heaven for all that he has done for us. He has created us, and he has saved us, and he has given us his word. And so Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, the great God. We don't have a little God. 
We don't have a God to be compared to Allah or any other God. We have the great God as our God and our Lord. And all the people answered. Everyone was participating. Amen. They didn't just have three amen brothers. And all, what does it say? It says, and all the people answered, Amen. 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 Because it was a wonderful service they were having with the Word of God. With lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then we have some more helpers of Ezra listed there. And they all participated in causing the people to understand the law. And it says the people stood in their place. They just stood there. They were willing to stand for three hours and hear the Word of God explained to them at least three hours from morning until midday, 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock at least. Verse 8 is a key verse for the preaching. This is a a definitive statement about what real preaching is. Preaching is not telling stories. Preaching is not making you laugh. Preaching is not making you feel good. Preaching is not homespun wisdom because homespun wisdom is going to hell. Preaching is giving people the Word of God because that's all that counts. Everything else is done in comparison. I know what it's like to be in those kind of services. I have been in them before. And there, there is an entertaining aspect to some of those speakers. And some of them are very good at it. They're very eloquent. And you leave just feeling warm and fuzzy. But you didn't, they didn't leave feeling warm and fuzzy. From Nehemiah chapter 8, they left bawling their eyes out in conviction and grief because they read in the word of the law of God that they had not been keeping the commandments of God like they should have been. We'll see that in verse 9. But this is true preaching, and I want everyone in here to be established about what is Bible preaching. When 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 gave the job description for a minister, preach the word, what did it mean? You know, it doesn't mean to quote from John Piper. It doesn't mean to quote from the church fathers. It doesn't mean to do any of that stuff, no matter how much people like it. The reason they like it is because they don't want to hear the Word of God. Here's Bible preaching. So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly. Careful, accurate, honest, complete reading of God's Scriptures. And they gave the sense... That means they put an interpretation upon the words for the people to understand exactly what God meant by His words. Haven't we just had the most wonderful example of preaching from the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 5? Didn't He take what had been preached by misrepresenting the Word of God and then explaining the proper sense of those words? We We have seen an illustration of proper preaching. There's no entertaining value to it except to those that have their heart prepared to want to hear the Word of God. Then it's very pleasant. Even if it's given by a hair-lipped, uneloquent man like your pastor. I'm thankful for whatever ability I have, but I know it's quite deficient. But what matters is it's the Word of God that I try to read to you distinctly and give the sense to you. This is a wonderful verse. They read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. We don't read the Bible for the sound of the words. We don't kiss the Bible and think that that's a religious act. 
It doesn't matter if I read you a passage of the Bible. There is no value in reading the Scripture just for the sound of the words. The value of the Word of God is understanding what God is saying to you so that you can go do it. But you'd be amazed at how many churches just use the sound of words. Gave the sense. That's not giving the dictionary definition for each word that they read. It's giving the interpreted sense of the passages. See, everybody already knows the primary definition of words. Do you know how primary definitions of words are established? It's what everybody believes a word means. And for those of you that don't understand what I'm referring to, it's because I was ordained by a man that believed the most important part of Bible preaching is reading words and then giving dictionary definitions for words. I don't need to give you a dictionary definition of a word for, because a primary definition of a word is something you already understand. I need to give you the spiritual sense of a word and there's not a dictionary in the world that has the spiritual sense of God's words because the Holy Spirit wrote this book and they're to be understood in a spiritual context. When the Bible uses flesh, it uses it in all sorts of different ways, doesn't it? When the Bible uses the word world, it uses it in different ways, doesn't it? We see so many, we, when, the word, when the Bible uses the word save, when the Bible uses the word Israel, when the Bible uses the word Jew, doesn't it mean all sorts of different things? Yeah, and it's our job to rightly divide the word of truth, which is giving the, the sense. Rightly dividing it. Finding out what sense belongs on this particular passage that we might be looking at. And that causes them to understand the reading. And may God continue to help us value the context, look at the sense, and be spiritually minded about God's words and not chained by some bondage to literalism that corrupts the Word of God. May the Lord help us. Amen. We come to verse 9. I'm going to read through verse 12. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Amen. They celebrated Amen. that they understood the words that were declared to them, brethren. This was the first day of the year to Israel. This is the first day of the seventh month of an ecclesiastical calendar. Don't even worry about it. It's the day of trumpet blowing in Israel. It was a holy convocation to the Lord. Israel would blast on trumpets. It was a day of rejoicing and thanksgiving before God. Nehemiah is called the Tershatha, which is the governor, because he had been appointed as the governor of the regathered Jews that were coming back to Jerusalem. And he tells the people, listen, this is a holy day to the Lord. Yes, the things that you have heard are cause for mourning. Yes, you've heard some things that you're not doing, but this is a special day to the Lord, and so do not do your grieving today. Do not do your mourning today. And so they ate the fat. Amen. Sounds like they had diets most of the time, or they took it a little easy on eating the best of their foods, 
to eat the fat and to drink the sweet is to enjoy the best you've got. They got out the best they could, and those that didn't have anything prepared for them, they sent so that everybody was eating well, and they had great mirth. Did I just send you out a proverb yesterday, Proverbs 14, 13? And it tells us the end of that mirth is heaviness. The mirth of the world ends in heaviness because they have to wake up from their hangover and realize getting drunk didn't help them one bit. We can have a celebration about the Word of God and there is no heaviness at the end of that celebration. It's light. It's freedom. It's rejoicing forever. It doesn't have to end. Look at the mirth. Now the Bible doesn't use the word mirth too many times, especially for saints. But there's a cause for it when you've had the Word of God preached to you. Amen. I am nothing. I am less than nothing. Everyone in here who knows me well knows that. But God has had mercy on us. He has opened the Word of God to us. He's opened the Scriptures to us. He's given us a heart for those Scriptures. He's given me a heart to preach it to you. It's all of Him. You all know that. And I know that. Let's bless the Lord, the great God, for all that He's done for us. We ought to be celebrating. If they could celebrate, we know more than they did. We know a whole lot more than they did. Do you know what they didn't know? They didn't know about the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We know about Him. I have a whole chunk of the Bible that they didn't have. I have the New Testament of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what book I like to read in? It starts out this way. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. That's Matthew 1.1. Can we all learn Matthew with our children? If Eric's going to be teaching all of our children how to answer any question from the book of Matthew, can we all learn the book of Matthew? Then whenever we meet one of these children in our assembly, we can ask them a question. (laughs) Or they can ask us a question. Let's learn the book of Matthew. We have more than these people had. If they celebrated, how much more should we celebrate? We have had the word of God open to us. Everywhere we turn, we see something else that we've been saved from. You may have wondered why we had Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7 this morning. Matthew 6, 7 says, And when ye pray, use not vain repetitions. And what was that verse in the Bible for? Written by Matthew 2,000 years ago? To head off the Roman Catholic Church. Because they go with that string of beads around their neck with a cross, a crucifix dangling on the end. And they finger those beads for ten Hail Marys and then one Our Father. You were saved from that. There's two billion Christians on planet earth right now, and over 1.1 billion of them pray the rosary. You are in a very small minority. And do you know why you're in a small minority? Because God has opened to you, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7. When ye pray, use not vain repetitions like the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. We've been saved. Every time we open the Bible, we see something new. We just saw how preaching services ought to be conducted. We see the purpose of a pulpit. We see how people ought to come together. We see what ought to be attentive. It's the ears to the hearing. Look at how much we've been shown. Everywhere we turn, we see something new. Don't we? I do. You need to get out there and look at some other websites. You need to go visit some other churches and find out how much, how little... 
sound doctrine is being taught today. It's all based on fables and entertainment. We've been blessed abundantly. We ought to celebrate. If they celebrated, we ought to. Great mirth, the last part of verse 12, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. They got excited because they understood the Bible. You children have an advantage over us that is incredible. You have heard the Bible preached to you, and you've been given understanding of it from an early age. You should outstrip us. You should whip us in the knowledge of the truth of the gospel. We want you to. Amen. You're blessed abundantly. Verse 13. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount, and fetch olive branches, and pine branches, and myrtle branches, and palm branches, and branches of thick trees, to make booths, as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them, and made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house, and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the street of the water gate, and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths, and sat under the booths. For since the days of Jeshua the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. Also day by day, from the first day unto the last day, He read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. This preaching service began on the first day of the seventh month. It then went to the second day of the seventh month, and this feast that we just read about ran from the 15th to the 21st, or the 22nd of the month. Those are the eight days of the Feast of Booths. But now let's gather ourselves and think about what we just read in Nehemiah 8. It says in verse 13, On the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites. The leaders of the people, the leaders of the Levites, and the leaders of the priests came back the next day to Ezra and said, We want to know more. You preached to the whole assembly yesterday, and we heard some things that we haven't heard in a long time, and we want some more so that we can go be better leaders ourselves. On the second day, they hadn't had enough. Every good father wants to saturate himself with the Word of God so that he can answer the questions of his wife and his children and be the true spiritual leader in his home like God intended all men to be. There's only one way to be a leader in a Christian home, and that's to know the Word of God. It has nothing to do with authority. It has nothing to do with physical strength. All those are marks of nothing. It's knowing the Word of God that makes a man a leader in his home so that you can answer your wife, lead your family, teach your children, and answer their questions. In verse 13, they came together to ask Ezra to understand the words of the law. And verse 14 tells us, they found in the law of God that there was a feast that hadn't been celebrated in a long time, and it was the Feast of Booths. Now, I said something about Genesis, and I'm sure it graded some of you a little bit, because you may not like hearing the parts of the Word of God that tell you what to do. 
See, these people wanted to hear the parts of the Word of God that, tell, that told them what to do. They didn't want to hear what God had done. They wanted to hear what they should do because that is what counts in pleasing God. God's already done what pleases Him. And we want to read that. And that is part of the Word of God. But these fathers came and said, show us what we ought to be doing. And they found out about another feast. First of all, they had an attitude, I want to learn more about what God wants from me. And you know what? When you have a man that wants that, God will show him. When you have a woman that wants that, God will show her. When you want to please God more perfectly, he will not leave you without instruction. God did not leave Cornelius. God sent an angel to him and said, Send a Joppa for Peter. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. It's not he shall tell thee what God has done for thee. It is what thou oughtest to do. Because Cornelius was all worked up with a desire to please God. He needed to know what God was expecting from him. They found another feast. You know, most people don't want to be told that they haven't been serving God well enough. When you tell them they haven't been serving God well enough, they get angry at the preacher because he's putting another burden on them. These men were not burdened by that at all. They got excited that God had shown them something from His Word that they weren't doing. And that's in verse 14. They hadn't kept the Feast of Booths. There's three great feasts in Israel. The Feast of the Passover, also called Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Weeks, also called Pentecost. And the Feast of Booths, where for seven days you were sitting in a booth. And they read about it. And they got the details of it. They got all the details. They said, Ezra, tell us exactly how it's supposed to be done. So we've got the details. Go forth under the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches. And it starts down through the different kind of trees that could be used for the construction of the booth. They wanted the details. Ezra the scribe got them the details. The next verse, verse 16, tells us they went and did exactly what Ezra had found in the Word of God. Amen. And it says that all the congregation of them that were come again of the captivity kept the feast. Verse 17. The whole group that came out of Babylon, kept the feast. And in some respects, this feast hadn't been kept like they kept it in a thousand years because it mentions Jeshua, the son of Nun, which was Moses' successor. They hadn't kept the Feast of Booths the way that these people kept it right here. And you know what it says there? You know, sometimes when a preacher takes the Word of God and asks something more from the people, they dig in their heels They put up their hands, they frown, they complain, they question, they grumble, they gripe, they look for excuses, they look for ways to avoid it. I want you to read about these people. Last sentence, verse 17, and there was very great gladness, very great gladness that they had found something else in the word of God that they could do to better please the Lord, the great God. Also, day by day, from the 15th of the month to the 22nd of the month, the eight days of the feast, you can read about it in Leviticus 23, you can read about it in Numbers 29. Also, day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God. They just kept this preaching service going. Every day, Ezra read the word of God to them. And they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly, according unto the manner. Now, how would they know the manner? By tradition, they hadn't kept it in a thousand years. 
by the Word of God. They learned the details of what God wanted, and they did it. They kept the feast for eight days according unto the manner. What kind of a person are you? Do you belong in that crowd? Or do you deserve to be spanked for 70 years like God had to spank them to get their attention for the Word of God? The purpose of us coming together is for us to hear this Word of God. You know that I also teach us about how we're to provoke one another. But we're to to come to hear what God has to say to us from His Word. And He's arranged the relationship of pastor and people for one to be the teacher, for others to be the listeners. And you need to come attentively. Look at the spirit they had. They were together. No division, no strife. They wanted to hear it. They did not want to be entertained. They wanted God's Word. And God raised a man up for them that gave them God's Word. And God will always raise up a man for His people when they want to hear God's words. You children... Your fathers and I are going to go away one of these days on a long trip, a trip to heaven. We won't be here. And if the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't come back, we are all counting on you. You have just seen what a preaching service is to look like. The whole world wants you to think that you've got to have entertainment. The whole world wants you to think it can't last more than 50 minutes. The whole world wants you to think that a preacher ought to tell stories to make people laugh. This is what God wants you to know. This is how a servant, this is how it ought to look, and this is what ought to be done there. This tells how the people ought to prepare, and it tells how the preacher ought to prepare. To read the Word of God distinctly and to give the sense. Last Sunday night, I preached to you about being Bible Christians. Tonight, I give you a picture of them. These are Bible Christians. They put aside all of their petty differences with one another. They came together as one man. They said, preach to us the word of God. They stood there for three hours. They were attentive and listened to everything they were taught. They celebrated when it was over. They asked for more of it the next day. And when they learned something they ought to be doing to please God more perfectly, they went to it immediately, and they did it with great gladness. These are the people of God. This is what the Lord wants for our church. This is what I want for our church. May the Lord bless us to have it. May Jesus Christ be praised.